threat of disaster is never pleasant. Welcome to the Casual Preppers Podcast. These safety measures are essential. The only place for prepping, survival, and entertainment. This will be your source of survival instructions and information. Every member of the family must be coached in the business of survival. Here are your hosts, Cam and Kobe. Yes, right, that's us. No, no, I'm DB. Yeah, that's true. Both DB of us Cooper. are DB Cooper. <laughs> we worked together. Yes. Uh, welcome to Mindless Banter. Apparently, it's the one millionth episode Cam's put on here. You didn't know which episode it was. So it's got to be the one million. millionth. It's got to be. Feels like we've done a million of these things. Yeah, easy. Yeah, welcome. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. If you haven't subscribed, yeah. get off your ass, go do it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're about to teach you some history. Story, yeah. Of one of the best mm. heists ever. It is. The hijacking uh-huh. of, I can't remember what brand of airline it Oriental was. Express or something. Yeah, from... I don't remember. But D.B. Cooper, have you yeah, ever yeah. heard that story? I'm going to tell you. I that. have, yeah. Yeah. It's okay. a good one. Okay. Well, before we get into the nitty-gritty, mm. goes without saying, yeah. prepping requires forethought with regard to food, water, power, mm-hmm. protection, all kinds of stuff. Sure, yeah. Everything. <laughs> yeah. But you cannot forget that self-reliant medical care is very important. It is. You got to learn it yourself. So, what's the easiest way to do it? The Prepper's Medical Handbook by noted wilderness medicine expert and survivalist, William W. Forgey, mm. MD, he's not a dummy. No. Um, provides the basis of prevention, identification, long-term management of survivable medical conditions and yeah. tells you what, when, where, and why to return to the grid and what to do when you can't. Yeah. It's an organized book. It's great. It's got paper, yeah. pages. Words. It's got numbers that tells Pictures. you where to go. But seriously, like, it's the easiest way to just find whatever medical condition you've run into. Find. My nose is running. <laughs> I got all worked up by cry. Quit, quit snorting. Yeah, so this. um, you're not going to learn mm. all the medicine before the apocalypse. No, that's on my Unless list. Learn all the medicine. Right now. <laughs> that's what it says on my this list. This book will get you what you need. And you can Beautiful. get it at PreppersMedicalHandbook.com. Beautiful. Or you can go to the commie, hmm. Amazon.com. That's right. And buy it there. Hey, Cam. It goes without saying. <laughs> no, let's not do that again. Have you ever seen the movie Without a Paddle? Yeah. You have. It's yeah. a great movie. Yeah. I, people, Some people don't like it. I actually enjoy it. <clears throat> it's a good one. Quite a lot. Yeah. With but, uh, Seth Green. Seth Green. And Dak Shepard. Dak Shepard, yeah. And Matthew Lillard. It's a great movie. Um, and the main aspect of that is they're going deep into the Washington woods and they're going to figure out what happened to, the cash. to DB Cooper. Right. Yeah. Um, That's I guess right. I don't know why I, even, I didn't even think about that when we were preparing this. Yeah. The, the whole movie's the whole about, movie. it's all about DB Cooper. That's awesome. Um, and Burt Reynolds plays DB Cooper in it. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> yeah. So, um, DB Cooper is a, uh, a, a mythical story in, you know, in the history of, heists and yeah. crimes and, yep. and whatnot and but it's like people are trying to repeat it for years yeah yeah yeah. They actually there was a lot of copycats <clears> after <throat> this happened but also it's one of those things that's just never really been figured out it's a mystery so crazy you know it's yeah. probably on unsolved mysteries i bet at oh. some point <laughs> exactly <laughs> that guy in his trench coat and yep. with the smoke man that creeped me out when i was a kid so bad just like even hearing that noise yeah. that that music <laughs> Would freak me my eighth birthday party. Like uh, my mom's filming, and it's on the TV in oh the background. Gosh. So she's like, "Here's your present." It's all, dun, 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 and that dun, guy's dun, voice, man. Yeah. Oh, welcome to the old stuff. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, anyways, DB Cooper, we decided today. Let's go over what happened. Yeah, that show was creepy though. It was super just, creepy. Let's bring it back up, okay? Because yeah, just when they're like, he murdered a bunch of kids. Yeah, he's been running around. We haven't solved this mystery. You're like, <laughs> shit. A kid at like nine was, o'clock at night yeah, watching it was this. Scarier than anything because you're like, there's a murderer still out killing kids. Murderer is real? I thought that was in the movie. <laughs> yeah. You know. Anyway. Anyway, yes, unsolved mysteries creepy was db cooper ever on there i don't know He's my guess is he had to have been 751 yeah, there's, there's a lot of those episodes but you know this is something that's just never the fbi at one point just said i don't know can't figure this shit out it's too hard yeah we haven't even figured out what the initials stand for. no so no. we're done darla bob <laughs> i don't know double bubble cooper <laughs> double bubble <laughs> man i guarantee that was it <laughs> 
My friends count me double. I just solved a crime. Just solved a crime. It's all done. Oh, that's good. So let's go back. Let's go back in our little time machine to 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 (laughs) nineteen. Somebody, our listeners, it's in the FBI. Have we looked into double bubble? (laughs) Let's write that down. That's a good. These guys have some points. Double bubble. Actually, listen to this whole podcast. They might have something. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'll subscribe to it. Let's let's go back to nineteen seventy one. You know. We'd just been to the moon a few years ago. True. You know, hadn't been that long. Flight's getting better and better. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> we're, we're figuring out, you know, how to fly in the air. So it's Thanksgiving Eve. So it's almost Thanksgiving. Yeah. You know, you're just, you're dreaming of turkey and gravy and stuffing. But one man was dreaming of something different. He was dreaming of a, a pile of cash and he was trying to figure out how to do it. And he had a good idea. So. A middle-aged man carrying a black attache case approached the flight counter of Northwest Orient Airlines, which I've never heard of. Must have went out of business after this. <laughs> um, Lost a passenger. Can't <laughs> never oh, mind. Sorry, we're out of business. Yeah. Um, this was at the Portland International Airport, and this is the days before Portland was just a shithole, <laughs> as it is now. <laughs> you That's know what I mean? the truth. It is... Um, wasn't bum central. It wasn't, point. yeah. Maybe like it was. Ninety-two percent bums and eight percent hippies. Yeah. Um I don't I've been to Portland. It's a nice place. There's yeah, just a lot was, of there's I a lot of basically there for weird two stuff years, but did. it was extremely interesting. And yeah. I didn't mind the interesting, but it's weird. Yeah. So he identified himself as Dan Cooper. Yeah. Dan Cooper. Damn and it. he used it's cash. Not double bubble. <laughs> not double. I'm double bubble cooper. <laughs> I'm double cooper. <laughs> what? <laughs> double bubble cooper. <laughs> Double B Cooper. <laughs> okay. Wait, what? He used cash to purchase a one-way ticket on flight 305, which was a 30-minute trip to, to Seattle. 20 bucks, man. That ain't bad. <laughs> that was a deal all. back in the day. <laughs> Crap. Uh, 20 bucks. Um, But you have to spend some money to make some money, he figured. So I better buy this ticket or I'm not going to get what I want, right? True. Cooper boarded the aircraft, a Boeing 727, which is a pretty big plane, that right? A pretty, that's a... Yeah, I mean between those two places, yeah, know, thirty minute flight is that <laughs> worth it? We got a space shuttle flight <laughs> to Portland. Seriously. It's like, come on, <laughs> why such a big plane? You want to take the aircraft carrier up to the port, or do you want to fly trebuchet to get us there? Almost, it's not that far. <laughs> so true. Um, he took seat eighteen C, eighteen E by one account, fifteen D by another. Nobody would look <laughs> at the ticket apparently. <laughs> Like it matters, but we're not not quite sure. And then you ordered a drink, which was bourbon and soda. Sounds delicious. If I mean, nice. if I'm if I've got a half hour flight, I want some bourbon. If and stuff, soda if too. I'm gonna go down with what I'm about yeah. to go down with, you gotta you gotta mm. calm those nerves yeah. a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Eyewitnesses <clears throat> described a man in his mid. Here you 40s. go, Mister Double Bubble. Here, Mister Double Bubble. <laughs> Here's your bourbon and soda. <laughs> Thank you, Miss. Double bubble, thank you. Oh, we're already landing? Okay. <laughs> Chug that down. We're Just almost land landing. on the other side of the airport. Um, he was in his mid-40s wearing a business suit with a black tie and a white shirt. So he was in men in black, basically. It's the best way to it fly. It was Will Smith. It's the best way to fly. Double bubble, Will Smith. Um, flight 305, approximately one-third full, departed Portland on schedule at 2.50 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And then shortly after takeoff, Cooper handed a note to Florence Schaffner. <clears throat> she was the flight attendant suited nearest or situated nearest to him in a jump seat attached to the aft stair door. So he was near the rear of the of the plane, right? He handed her a note. So she took this <clears throat> note and apparently this happens quite frequently because she was like, all right, just puts it in her pocket and walks away. And it's he's like, like well, texting my wife something important. Yeah. Yeah, I'll uh, respond to that later. I'll look at that on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. uh, but she just puts it in her in her purse and just walks away. And he's like, "Well, what the hell? That was a freaking bomb <laughs> note." So funny. You know what I mean? She's gonna freak it. What, what are you doing? <laughs> I can't wait to watch this. Watch it. <laughs> Double bubbles excited, and then <laughs> she just walks off. <laughs> you know what do I do? It's the only piece of paper I had. Crap! <laughs> now what? Take the bubble do, wrapper. Do I just flash the bomb? <laughs> what do I do? So uh, she assumed the note was. He's like, I'm gonna take a couple. Of, can I get another bourbon? <laughs> Give me another bourbon. So she assumed the note um, contained a lonely businessman's phone number and just dropped it unopened into her purse. Cooper was pissed off at this point. He yeah, leaned, yeah, yeah, businessman. He leaned forward and whispered, Oh, miss, you better look at that note. I have a bomb. 
Okay. <laughs> and then Cam bought a bunch of stuff there that I don't think is... Where? Huh? I, huh? Didn't, I didn't mess with any of this, by the way. <laughs> okay. Um, what was a bunch of stuff up there? I don't there? know. Don't you see that? Huh? Huh? You don't see no, that? No, I was wondering why that was there. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Is that when we were chatting Must have been. These shared notes sometimes get a little wacky. Yeah. I was wondering why that was in there. Um, well, it wasn't me. So the note. D.B. Cooper. <laughs> it was D.B. Cooper. Messing with our That's books. classic double bubble right there. <laughs> um, the note was printed in neat, all capital letters with a felt tip pen, just in case you were wondering. Oh, That's nice. what but the exact, We got all the details. I know. But. <laughs> the exact wording is unknown because Cooper later took back the note, which is interesting. But Schaffner recalled that it mentioned the bomb and directed her to sit in the seat beside Cooper. You want to sit next to me? I got a bomb. You want to sit next to bomb or you want to sit next to me? <laughs> That's right. Uh, Schaffner did did as requested, then quietly asked to see the bomb. Hey, can I see it? Well, when we look at it. I mean, can you imagine? Like, okay, can I see it? Like, it's kind of <laughs> weird. Thank you, bug. Filling me full of crap, Mr. Double Bubble. <laughs> yeah, showing your goods. Um, <laughs> Cooper then opened his briefcase long enough for her to glimpse eight red cylinders. Yeah, okay. That sounds like a Four bomb. On top. I know my bombs. <laughs> I don't want, oh, like... eight red cylinders? That's a bomb. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> what is that? That's bomb. One, two, three, four, five, seven, eight. Yeah, that's a bomb. <laughs> Attached, they had wires <laughs> coated with red insulation. Obviously, you got to cut the red wire, Man, right? You know that these details—they've <laughs> yeah. gone over everything like fifteen thousand times. Okay, what kind of pen did he use? <laughs> yeah. Did he write capital letters or regular cursive? <laughs> what was it? <laughs> How did he do it? Gosh damn, this guy's good. He, we can't, so we good. just can't pinpoint it. <laughs> and it had a large cylindrical battery. Nice. I don't know, like C battery, maybe. Probably maybe D battery. D battery. Those were popular yeah. back then. So after closing the briefcase, he stated his demands. His demands were two hundred thousand dollars in negotiable <clears throat> American currency. Pretty, pretty fair. Yeah, I mean, back Doable. in the day, two hundred thousand, I think, was more million. like a mill. You know, I mean, so but still, if I'm hijacking an airplane and I'm jumping out, I want more than a million dollars, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Especially, I had to pay for this if bomb. You bust your leg. There's forty <laughs> There's, to a hundred thousand. Yeah, you're gone. That's ten percent gone right there. <laughs> so you got to be careful. And he wanted four parachutes. You know. That's two safety. primary and two reserve. <laughs> I don't know why he needs I two primary. I am not going to die after this hijack. I'm strapping one on my back and one on my legs, and I'm jumping. <laughs> you know? Failed, and then one takes you upside down. <laughs> take the two with me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's why he disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> he just two of them just carried him off into the freaking atmosphere. Like he was flying. <laughs> and then he maybe used the other one I'm for the Alaska back of money. Now. I haven't landed <laughs> <laughs> These freaking parachutes. I I've got too many. <laughs> I've got too many parachutes. <laughs> that was a stupid move on Double Bubble's part. <laughs> Wanted to be safe about it. Flew into Russia. <laughs> Didn't even know it. That's why we couldn't find him. Yeah, he's still up he's there. <laughs> freaking in Siberia. Just a skeleton floating around. <laughs> Sixteen parachutes. Four parachutes. Come well, on. he added some. And he also wanted a truck standing by in Seattle to refuel the aircraft upon arrival. Good idea. Right? You want to run out of gas. Probably use three gallons of gas to get to Seattle. <laughs> Got to put that back in. <laughs> right? Schnaffer, uh, Schnaffer. Schaffner conveyed <laughs> Cooper's instructions to the pilots in the cockpit. When she returned, Cooper was wearing dark sunglasses. He's yeah. like, I'm going to look like a badass when she come back <laughs> yeah. in here. <laughs> put on my sunglasses. Can I get a parachute for these sunglasses? Yeah. Those are Ray-Bans, Schaffner. <laughs> Check them out. I got a bomb and I got Ray-Bans. So the captain, William A. Scott, contacted Seattle-Tacoma Airport Air Traffic Control, which informed local and federal authorities. The 35 other passengers were told that their arrival in Seattle would be delayed because of a minor mechanical difficulty. We're having something going on. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna be late. Is it not a bomb? <laughs> it's definitely not a bomb. Or fifteen thousand. Don't look at the dude in the sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just chill. All right. Um, I wonder what got they parachute? sounded like on the radio. We we gotta land here real quick. There's no problem going on. And <laughs> uh, yeah. So everybody just stay tight. Oh, Does anybody have an extra parachute on board? Everything's <laughs> fine. Does anyone want to have an extra pair of pants on board? <laughs> I just shit myself. <laughs> I mean, it was my co-pilot. It wasn't me. <laughs> if you are an extra pair of pants, bring it up to the front. Appreciate it. Thirty, um, 30 please. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, anyways, you they you know, Mister Sunglass Man, don't you come up in front, Mister Sunglass Man? Stay with her attaché case. <laughs> um. So, uh, Northwest Orient's president Donald <clears throat> Nyrup authorized payment of the ransom and ordered all employees to cooperate fully with the hijacker's demands. So it was the airline who just kind of came up with the money and said, okay, give it to him. <laughs> you always wonder, like, who's coming up with I the know. money on those? That's true. Like, is Man. he is he wanting it from the airline or is he want it from the government? Who's, who was um, president at the time? Do you know? 71? This would have been uh, Lyndon Johnson? I don't know. Yeah. Shit, I don't know my history. Look it up. It was, yeah. 1971. Republicans are like, nah, I ain't giving it to him. <laughs> Democrats are like, give him extra. Give him whatever 400, he wants. 400,000. Yeah, he can be in my cabinet if he wants. <laughs> <clears throat> um, 1971. I don't know. You're going to have to look that up. I figure it's Lyndon Johnson, but I could be wrong. It could be good. Huh? Um, blah, blah, blah. The aircraft circled Puget, right, yeah. Puget Sound for approximately two hours to allow Seattle police and the FBI sufficient time to assemble Cooper's parachutes. Richard Nixon. Oh, it was Nixon? Um, and ransom money, and to mobilize emergency personnel. So they had to give them some time, so they just kept flying around. Flying around, because they had to go find them friggin' parachutes. So then the flight attendant, Tina Mucklow, recalled that Cooper appeared familiar with the local terrain. At one point, he remarked, looks like Tacoma down there. As the aircraft <laughs> flew that. over it. Yeah, Tacoma, all right. What do you guys think, that Tacoma? <laughs> When should I jump? Tell me when. Can I get the window seat? <laughs> uh, he also correctly mentioned that McCord Air Force Base was only a 20-minute drive from Seattle-Tacoma Airport, which I don't know why. <laughs> if you look out your left window, it's Tacoma <laughs> down there. 20-minute yeah. drive from... So, Schaffner described him as calm, polite, well-spoken, not at all consistent with the stereotypes of enraged, hardened criminal criminals. Yeah. Like, take me to Cuba. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> Like they, they're having he a lot like of those. He was like a tour guide. Yeah, he was really nice. Right down there is Tacoma. Yeah, if you put your sunglasses on. He was on. hot, too. <clears throat> oh, man. I'll tell you what. Um, he wasn't nervous, uh, they told investigators. He seemed rather nice. He was never cruel or nasty. <laughs> he was thoughtful, calm all the time. Yeah, that's uh, good. I, I would only hope people would talk about me like this, yeah. l- you know, later in right. my life. I mean, DB sounds yeah, like a great guy. I don't care you have a bomb. Oh, you're, you're a nice man. You ain't cruel. You ain't nasty. Probably nicer than most of the passengers oh, nowadays. Probably. Easy. 100%. You got a bomb, but he's super nice. I don't care. Yeah. I'll sit next to him. He ain't crying. <laughs> ain't yelling. Feet ain't up on the seat. Yeah, just drinking a bourbon and soda and chilling. Nice guy. Oh, yeah. He ordered a second bourbon and soda. Paid his drink tab. He paid his drink tab. Jeez. You know what I mean? And he attempted to give Mucklow the change. Offered to request meals for the flight crew during the stop in Seattle. He's all, hell, I got 200000 I, I I can afford McDonald's. You guys want a Big Mac? <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Huh? I don't know. Try yeah, but it. How's that sound to you guys? <laughs> and be up for some McNuggets? I don't know. <laughs> so the FBI agents assembled the ransom money from several Seattle area banks, 10,000 unmarked $20 bills, most with the serial numbers beginning with the letter L indicating issuance of the Federal Reserve of San Francisco and made a microfilm photograph of each of them. 20,000 photographs or 10,000 photographs. It's a lot. Who did that? I don't know. That's why why they had to fly around for so long. Cooper rejected the (laughs) military-issue parachutes offered by... Hold on, we're still taking pictures. (laughs) Takes a minute. Gosh. Um, Cooper rejected the military-issue parachutes offered by McCord Air Force Base personnel. Military? <laughs> that shit's going to break. I didn't want that. That's what's weird. We- I don't know. Just with all that happening right over an Air Force Base, mm-hmm. they're like, man, fine. Don't get the military involved. So he- instead, he demanded civilian parachutes with manually operated ripcords. Seattle police attained them from a local skydiving school. Oh, yeah. You don't want the one that you like have to chain up. Oh, that's right. You just jump out and- one. That makes sense, I guess. Okay. Number one check, two check. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Push and push me. Just give me a push, lady. Yeah. Uh, when the flight landed in Seattle, the hijacker exchanged the flight's thirty-six pas- passengers for the money and parachutes. So he just let them all off. Give me my money. Give me my parachutes. You think they gave him the money like a regular bank teller? And one thousand, two thousand, three thousand, <laughs> four thousand. I don't. I think it came in a big bag. One, two, three, four, five. <clears throat> yeah, probably. Um, During refueling, Cooper outlined his flight plan to the cockpit crew, a southeast course toward Mexico City at the minimum airspeed possible without stalling the aircraft. Approximately, God, I can't talk today, 100 knots. 
So that's like 115 mile an hour. That's not very fast. At a maximum of 10,000 foot. think of a plane, you think it would stall at that speed. I know. Apparently it doesn't. Apparently you can there. At 10,000 foot altitude. Right? Not too high. Usually they're much higher than that. Yeah. He further specified that the landing gear remained deployed in the takeoff landing position. The wing flaps to be lowered at 15 degrees and the cabin remain unpressurized. Mm, dude knew what the freak he was He's talking like, about. Yeah, he knows kind of what he needs to do. And they got to be figuring this out too, right? I would think. Yeah. Like, why would he ask all this stuff? Right. Take your shoes off. Take off one sock. Put it on your head. <laughs> Take off your belt. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Just like yeah. do a bunch of weird crap. <clears throat> Also do all these things. He's going to jump on. He's going to do it. Um, Cooper uh, further directed the aircraft take off with the rear exit door open and its staircase extended. Um, the The home office objected, saying that this was unsafe. And you, you can't do it with the, the stairs down, you idiot. That's not going to be good, right? <laughs> but he countered and said that it was indeed safe, and he would not argue the point. He would lower it once they were airborne. He's like, no, I don't care. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I got a bomb. What are you guys going to do? I got four parachutes. Yeah. I'm all right. I don't care. <laughs> no biggie. Um, I could survive four plane crashes. Ain't a big deal to me. Somewhere between <laughs> Seattle and Reno, a little after eight, Cooper jumped out of the back of the plane with a parachute and the ransom money. The pilots landed safely. Don't forget your bomb! <laughs> throw it out. <laughs> what did they do with that? I don't know. I, that's a good question. I haven't read anything about that, actually. But Cooper had disappeared into the night. You just paint cans when they opened yeah. it. Yeah. Ah! Again, <laughs> uh, so they never they never found him. He just jumped out, and the the plane landed safely. Everybody was fine. He took his two hundred thousand dollars and his four parachutes, and he left. So crazy, yeah. So I mean, immediately after, obviously the FBI is like, "Fudge, we got to figure this out, right?" They tried their they tried their darndest for quite some time. FBI agents recovered sixty six <clears throat> unidentified fingerprints aboard the airliner, like. That seems like a problem you're not going to solve. <laughs> There's been 8,000 people on that plane. Yeah. Probably gets cleaned once a quarter. <laughs> Ever. You know what I mean? Until like, it's decommissioned. Yeah. Um, good luck with that. But they also found his black clip-on tie. Oh. He had a clip-on tie. He <laughs> mean, can't even tie a tie, but he, he can. He knows all the directions <laughs> of yeah. jumping from an airplane. Yep. Um, and he found they found two of the four parachutes, so two of them were left on. The, the flight. Oh, um, really? Yeah. I wonder why he's just... I don't know. Weird. Maybe he's going to take somebody with him. And yeah. You pilots want to come? Ah, forget it. Never mind. I'll just go spend this myself. <laughs> um, I'm going to head into Canada if you want to go. Maybe he was thinking... How many people were on left? There, there were four people left. Oh, okay. I was like, maybe him. he was being a gentleman and be like... Yeah, maybe. If you guys stall this son of a bee... Here you go. You got extra yeah. parachutes. So the local police and the FBI, they immediately began questioning possible suspects. And the first place they started... <laughs> this so one, funny. I'd never heard of this one. <laughs> one of the first was an Oregon man with a minor police record named D.B. Cooper, right? They contacted... Uh, oh, no, the yeah, Portland yeah. police con contacted him saying, well, maybe this is him. And they like, forgot to change his <laughs> name. forgot to change his name, but... Now, they quickly ruled him out as a suspect, but a local reporter named James Long rushing to meet an imminent deadline. I wonder why they quickly ruled him out. <clears throat> well, I don't know. Probably had a missing alibi. Or okay. <laughs> yeah. Not him. Um, He's blind. But the reporter rushing to meet an imminent deadline confused the eliminated suspect's name with the pseudonym used by the hijacker. So, you know, he said Dan Cooper, but this guy's name was D.B. Cooper. And so the wire service reporter republished the error following, <clears throat> followed by numerous other media sources. As a result, D.B. Cooper became the most widely remembered pseudonym, which is funny because he used the name Dan Cooper. That's weird. I know. So that was it's not actually D.B. Yeah. Uh, so the, a precise search of the area obviously was very, very hard because even like small differences in the aircraft speed, the wind, all these different things, the flight path would change where he jumped out by like hundreds of miles almost. So they went and looked and looked and looked. Um, but the initial searches and investigations showed no trace of Cooper nor any of the equipment presumed to have left the aircraft with him. It's crazy. So they looked and looked and just couldn't find anything. Um, so about a month after the hijacking, the FBI actually distributed lists of the serial numbers of the money 
to like casinos and racetracks and like other places. Where did you say he jumped out at? So it's like in the thicket of the Northwest. That's what they think. They think it was in Washington somewhere. So in their defense, that area would be freaking hard. Good luck. Like, how do you comb that area? Even if he died, you probably would never find him. It would be a freaking joke. So they released the the serial numbers, um, and Northwest Orient actually offered a reward of up to 15% of the recovered money. Um, and then they actually released the serial numbers to the general public. In 1972, two men used counterfeit $20 bills printed with Cooper's serial numbers to swindle $30,000 from a Newsweek reporter named Carl Fleming in exchange for an interview with a man they falsely claimed was the hijacker. Wow. Yeah, so they used some money. And in the release serial numbers and got 30 grand for it. Pretty sweet. Wow. A nice little move on their part. Um, and so then, actually, in, in November of 1978, a placard printed with the instructions for lowering the aft stairs of a 727 was found by a deer hunter near a logging road about 13 miles east of Castle Rock, Washington. This would have been within the basic flight path of that 305. So they think that actually could have been. off. Yeah, that could have been from that. But again, who knows? Yeah. It could have been another 727 that lost that. <laughs> got put up the stairs. Exactly. You just don't know. So then on February 10th, 1980, this is where it gets kind of crazy. Eight-year-old Brian Ingram was vacationing with his family on the Columbia River at a beachfront known as Tina Bar, about nine miles downstream from Vancouver, Washington, and about 20 miles southeast of Ariel. He uncovered three packets of the ransom cash as he raked the sandy riverbank to build a campfire. The bills were disintegrated but still bundled in rubber bands. That's cool. Can you imagine as a kid finding bundles of $20 Mama got a bunch of money. Yeah. Can you imagine? Throw it in the fire. <laughs> Perfect kindling, son. <laughs> well done. Yeah, that would be... Man. Oh, I'd freak out, man. Your childhood was complete at that point. Can you imagine, though, growing up saying, I found D.B. Cooper's cat? Yes. <laughs> How cool is that? You know? I kept some of it. Yeah. Disintegrated. Jeez, it's just insane. FBI technicians confirmed that the money was indeed a portion of the ransom. Two packets of $120 bills each and a third packet of 90 all arranged in the same order as when given to Cooper. Why? Initial statements by investigators and scientific consultants were founded on the assumption that the bundled bills washed freely into the Columbia River from one of its many connecting tributaries, which makes it almost impossible to figure out where it came from. Yeah. Because there's so many connecting rivers. Off. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like almost impossible. Um, other hypotheses were advanced. Some surmise that the money may have been found at a distant location by someone or even like a wild animal and carried to the riverbank and then <laughs> buried there. Yeah, like a bear yeah. just took the money. I'm taking this. I'm going to bury it in the riverbank. <laughs> I'm going to have my babies in this bag. <laughs> yeah. Screw it. Perfect. Uh, the sheriff of the county proposed that Cooper accidentally dropped a few bi- bills, uh, bundles on the air stair. Uh, which then blew off into the aircraft and flew into the Columbia River. So maybe he just dropped them up top, you know, when he was jumping out. Who knows? Nobody. One local newspaper conjectured that Cooper, knowing he could never spend the money, dumped it in the river or buried portions of it uh, himself, which I don't think yeah, that would, like that makes no sense. Who's the me. idiot thought that one up? Yeah, I don't get that. So in 1986, after protracted negotiations, the recovered bills were divided equally between Ingram and the Northwest Orient's insurer, and the FBI retained 14 examples as evidence. So the kid actually did get to keep some of it, which is pretty freaking awesome. They sold 15 of the bills at auction in 2008 for $37,000. Oh, my gosh. Freaking cool. That kid scored. Yeah, I know, man. It took a long time to score, 2008, but... No, to date, true. none of the 9,710 bills have turned up anywhere else. Their serial numbers remain available online for public search. Really? Um, they haven't been used or anything? Mm-mm. Nope. Oh, that Which weird. kind of... I bet Sasquatch hasn't. He probably does. Maybe B. B. Cooper Walla. is Sasquatch. <laughs> Shaved, went on a flight, jumped out. Let it grow. Yeah, let it, it grow. Wanders the Northwest. Back to it, yeah. Screaming time to time. So, um, on July 12th, 2016, the FBI formally closed the D.B. Cooper case after what is called one of the longest and most exhaustive investigations in our history. That's so crazy. I know. So, they just couldn't figure it out. You can only hope that he lived to see, like, no one ever figured it out. I know. Or he could still be alive. That's true. He He could could still be alive. listening to this. Yeah. Cam, I want you to imagine this, though, real quick. The grid's down. 
Oh, yeah. Your hometown was just devastated by a natural disaster. Ooh. Or you stopped to help a car that broke down on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Would you have what you need to deliver a baby? No. Well, mm-hmm. I would. You would, <laughs> but most wouldn't. Look, the combat midwife developed the perfect kit to add to your preps. The official combat midwife birth kit brought to you by Medical Gear Outfitters will give you peace of mind in a chaotic world. Our new world consists of COVID, quarantines, and overrun hospitals. Babies are unpredictable about when they decide to join us in this crazy world. A birth kit is just what you need to be prepared for any labor and delivery, delivery emergency. The movies lied to you. Dude, they did. You need more than newspaper and a shoestring to deliver a baby. It ain't going to work. The Combat Midwife Birth Kit is what you need to care for the lady you love in any SHTF birth situation. And it even doesn't have to be SHTF. No. Could be just a regular birth. Seriously. You pretty much got what you need. Yep. Um, It's user-friendly. All these items included are exactly what the Combat Midwife takes on every birth. Seriously, she just picks one of these up. Comes back with a baby. Pretty awesome. (laughs) All right? Just a bunch of babies at home. (laughs) Yeah. Buy this kit and all of your family's medical gear needs at medicalgearoutfitters.com. Learn more about the Combat Midwife and how to use this kit at combatmidwife.com. Use our coupon code CASUALPREPPERS. You're going to get 10% off all the gear on those websites. You got to use that code or they're not going to know that we sent you and you're not going to get your discount. Yeah. So you got to go use it. All right. Medicalgearoutfitters.com. Yeah. There's not just OB stuff there. No. You can buy pre-packed little med kits and everything. Mm -hmm. And yeah, her site's awesome. I went to it and she does um, sessions you can sign up for. Oh, really? You want to learn how to deliver a baby Mm -hmm. just to know? You never know. You You don't. Yeah. Awesome. That is awesome. So let me tell you, after um, this happened, there were a whole bunch of copycat hijackings in 1972, like a bunch, which is kind of crazy. So after that, the FAA got a little bit smarter. They're like, all right, we got to do some things to figure this out because we can't have people taking money and jumping out of the airplane anymore. (laughs) This is bad. So after that, um, they required that all 727 aircraft be fitted with a device later called the Cooper Vane, which prevents lowering the aft air stair during flights. So you just like, it can't be done anymore, which is good. Right. Yeah. Also, because of this hijacking, the installation of peepholes were Where mandated. Will you be flying and jumping out today? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> Guess what? That's not gonna happen. Um, let me put my sunglasses on. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So, also, <clears throat> the installation of peepholes were mandated in all cockpit doors, so that they can look out and see if DB's back there <laughs> on all flights. Yeah. Um. So kind of crazy that wasn't there before. <laughs> to look I know. Into the, I won't even think about it. Like, no regime back there. They probably didn't even have cockpit doors back then. <laughs> they probably didn't. You know. Um. So the crazy thing about this is there's been over one thousand suspects that have been investigated by the FBI for DBQ. One thousand. That's crazy. Like at this point, just investigate everybody. We're gonna go through every one of them. We have yeah. You guys. We, we have got all thousand. Twenty eight minutes to do one thousand <laughs> suspects. So one of mine, I'm just going to do one of There's these. There's some standout ones, and that's there what is. we put down. This one is my favorite, and I'm just going to do this one. I'm going to let Cam take the rest. Like but this one. one is my favorite. His name is Richard Floyd McCoy Jr. <laughs> Gosh, he sounds like a boxer or something, yeah. doesn't he? Floyd McCoy. Floyd McCoy. Undefeated. <laughs> Heavyweight champion. And Floyd McCoy comes up to the... <laughs> Yeah, I mean he's my favorite, but he's the one. He's he's got he's the top of my list, I think. So <clears throat> McCoy, the year after, so this is 1972. He hijacked a United Airlines passenger jet for ransom. Hell, do it again. I know, I know. Work first time. Let's keep on going. Due to a similar modus operandi, law enforcement officials named McCoy as a suspect for the still unidentified DB Cooper, who committed his unsolved crime four and a half months before McCoy. McCoy was born, so this is kind of his life, uh, December 7th, 1942, North Carolina. This is pretty weird. To Richard Floyd McCoy Sr. and Myrtle McCoy, who were first cousins. Oh, nice. Yeah, so this guy, he was At sharp as a tack. woods of the South, well, yeah. kind of. Um, which is pretty interesting. He grew up in Cove City. In 62, he moved to Provo, Utah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Enrolled in BYU before dropping out to serve a two-year tour of duty in the Army. He served in Vietnam as a demolition. In the Lord's Army? No, just the Regular. U.S. Army. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> Seems kind of weird. I know. Two year. So this is what is kind of crazy. He served in Vietnam as a demolition expert. So if you're going to build a bomb, you, you want to know about demolition. expert. All right. 
Um, in 65, he returned to BYU where he met Karen Burns. They married in 65, had two children, Shanti and Richard. <laughs> okay. McCoy served another term in the Army in the condition that he could go to Vietnam, where he was awarded both the Army Commendation Medal and Distinguished Flying Cross. Upon returning to Utah, he served as a warrant officer in the National Guard, and he was an avid skydiver. Mm. Mm, starting to figure this out now. He taught Mormon Sunday school and studied law enforcement at BYU. <clears throat> His purported dream was to become an FBI or CIA agent. I mean, he dressed like one. Yeah. DV did. Still wanted to be. Right? And in April 7, 1972, McCoy boarded Airlines Flight 855, a Boeing 727, en route from Newark to Los Angeles with 85 passengers and a crew of six, piloted by Captain Jerry Hearn under the alias James Johnson during a stopover in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> the aircraft was a 727 with aft stairs which uh, McCoy escaped in mid-flight by parachute after giving the crew similar instructions as Cooper had. McCoy had obtained $500,000 in cash. I'm going to up it a little because, bit. And he, took, he did it with a novelty hand grenade and an empty pistol, <laughs> which is weird. Yeah. Police began investigating. <laughs> Look what I got. <laughs> I'm going to throw this, and I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> Don't make me. I'm going to shoot it in the air. <laughs> it's going to get nuts in here. Uh, police began investigating McCoy following a tip from a motorist. The driver had picked up McCoy hitchhiking at a fast food restaurant where McCoy was wearing a jumpsuit and carrying a duffel bag. <laughs> I don't know, something seemed weird. You need a ride. <laughs> What's that jumpsuit for? What's that duffel bag? Was it in the 90s? No, this was in the 70s. I was going to say, this is in the 90s. You'd be like, he's fine. Yeah, it all cool. Got a jumpsuit on. Yeah, what's up, bro? Windy out here. Yeah, but no, he had a jumpsuit and a duffel bag. McCoy had also described to an acquaintance how easy it would be to carry out such a hijacking. Mm. That's the kind of a dead giveaway. So following fingerprint and handwriting matches, McCoy was arrested two days after the hijacking. He was, this is crazy, McCoy was on National Guard duty flying one of the helicopters involved in the search for the hijacker. <laughs> <laughs> is that not nuts? Yeah, that he is. was searching for himself. I don't know, boys, no seat over here. <laughs> Yeah, there's no way anybody'd land out of here. <laughs> this guy's dead, I swear. Yeah. He, he ain't lived. Let's get home, get something to eat. You guys want some McNuggets? <laughs> On me. I'm buying. <laughs> I'm buying. <laughs> oh, give me my hand grenade. Get back over here. Yeah, I wouldn't go over there. He ain't going over <laughs> no there. There's no way anybody would survive a crash yeah. over there. Come on, let's get over here. Let's head home. Um, inside his house, FBI agents found a jumpsuit and a duffel bag filled with cash totaling $499,970. He had spent $30. <laughs> <laughs> he just kept it in his house with like I know it's almost like he's like I can't believe I pulled that off now I don't know what to do I guess I'll just put this in the closet I don't know I'll shut the door the floorboard come up no I don't know what to do with it I'll stick her under the kid's bed no one will suspect Shanti <laughs> she's a good kid she's a good kid I gotta teach Sunday school tomorrow <laughs> Sunday I haven't school. gone over the lesson <laughs> uh. Oh, that's funny. Um, that one's good. So he claimed innocence, but was convicted of the hijacking and received a forty-five-year sentence. Wow! Of one, the the first or the second? Yeah, one, the huh? second one. Once so why again, didn't they pin the other one? Or like for sure said this is him? They couldn't. They couldn't figure it out. Seems so FBI weird. freaking sucked. That sure sounded. <laughs> Once incarcerated at the federal penitentiary in Pennsylvania, McCoy used his access to the prison's dental office to fashion a fake handgun out of dental paste. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? That's what that. <laughs> so he got. He went to prison for this hijacking. In prison, he had access to the dental office. He's stealing little bits of it every time he went in, and he molded himself a handgun out of it. That's insane. I, know, I would dude. let him go. I know. You know what? Dude. Get out of here. That's pretty, pretty good. Shit, man, we need guys like you on the outside. You get out there and start doing some work. <laughs> um, so I uh, filled that many teeth. Where's all the fucking <laughs> filling going? He and his crew of convicts escaped on August 10th by commandeering a garbage truck and crashing it through the prison's main gate. <laughs> Dude, this guy. <laughs> I know, man. I'm saying. This is why he's my favorite. McCoy, man. Oh, three months later, FBI located McCoy in Virginia Bre Beach. 
News reports stated that on November 9th, McCoy walked into his home and was met by FBI agents. He fired at them, and all agents opened fire, killing McCoy. Oh, he got killed? Floyd McCoy, done! <laughs> going down. <laughs> Dang. So, he's my favorite, and I th- I'm just going with him. He did. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Richard Floyd McCoy Jr. <laughs> Rich Floyd At McCoy. your service. Oh, son. Dental extraordinaire, <laughs> skydiving expert. Yeah, that's freaking amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. Mm. These other ones, they, uh, I think they were just a little hard up mm. to be somebody. Yeah. But maybe. I get uh, it. I don't know. I get it. First one, William Gossett. Mm. William was a veteran of the Korean and Vietnam Wars, a survivalist. That's right. And a parachutist. <laughs> <laughs> Who says it that way? I'm a parachutist. I, I know. <laughs> Who says that? Yeah, you're not. <laughs> no, I don't think no so. No one says it that way. Oh my gosh. This um he told his sons and a local judge in San Diego that he had committed the 71 skyjacking. Of course. His son Greg recalls Gossett having an unusual amount of money at Christmas in 71. <laughs> I don't know how you got all that money. I got like an Atari, I got all the games. <laughs> he just doesn't have that much and all of a sudden out of the blue. There we are. Yeah, and Gossett's physical characteristics characteristics match the description from eyewitnesses. Gossett died in 2003. No. Galen Cook, who had been investigating the Cooper case on uh, his own for years, you know, like There's before a, podcasting. There are actually a bunch of, like, D.B. Cooper that, that have done this, yeah. Decided that Gossett was most likely D.B. Cooper. Okay. Cook, Cook said he has provided Gossett's fingerprints and DNA to the FBI, but the agency said there is no evidence to link Gossett with the case. You know, we don't need this. No. You're not an FBI agent. <laughs> you don't get it. Case <laughs> You're closed. just a dummy. Get out of here. Um, so that one just kind of, hmm. there's, I mean, tons of details there to link yeah, him to. Sure. Double Bubble Cooper. <laughs> um, Sheridan Peterson. He was one of the, ch- he was a chief suspect among the suspects. Oh. With investigators pointing to his experience as a smoke jumper. Ooh. Smoke jump, jumpist. Parachutist. <laughs> yeah. Smoke parachutist. His love of skydiving and taking physical risks and even reportedly experimenting with homemade bat wings. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's a criminal. He's all, maybe I try and fly bat back to Portland? I don't know. Anyway. Babe, I'm going to get on the house and try these out again. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, building bat wings, trying to figure out how to fly. <laughs> Peterson died January 8th, according to thelegacy.com, a memorial's website. The circumstances of his death are not known. He is survived by his son and daughter. The California native served in the Marines during World War II and later worked as a technical editor at Boeing. Mm, so, New Plains, yeah. based in Seattle. A stash of money was found buried along the Columbia River near Portland, Oregon in 1980, but the FBI continued its manhunt. This case from... Oh, yeah, just, we were talking right about that. Um, Phoenix entrepreneur Eric Eulis spent years trying to figure out D.B. Cooper's identity. Um, Peterson flirted with the idea that he was, this is the same guy, right? Mm -hmm. This got a little bit jumpy. Uh, Peterson flirted with the idea that he was D.B. Cooper on a number of occasions. He most prominently toyed with the suspicion in a 2007 issue of Smoke Jumper, a magazine published by the National Smoke Jumper Association. I'll bet that is interesting. The NSA. Mm, The NSA. (laughs) The real NSA. Mm Mm-hmm. Actually, the FBI had good reason to suspect me, Peterson wrote. Friends and associates agreed that I was, without a doubt, D.B. Cooper. <laughs> friends and associates. Oh, this is so funny. He's like, I don't know friends and associates agreed that I mean, that everybody was me. just thinks it's me. I, I guess it is me. <laughs> there were too many circumstances involved for it to be a coincidence. At the time of the heist, I was 44 years old. That was the approximate age Cooper was assumed to have been, and I closely resembled the sketches of the hijacker. So (laughs) that was his, like, he's like, this is me. It's easy. Peterson also admitted that he did himself no favors when photos surfaced from a Boeing news sheet uh, that showed him dressed in the exact same formal attire reportedly worn by D.B. Cooper during the heist. (laughs) I'm going to dress up. I'm going to confuse people. Look, it was Halloween. Yeah. All right. Peterson insisted that he was in Nepal at the time of the skyjacking, but the FBI continued to monitor him. I was in Nepal. That's like great. Like people go to Nepal (laughs) just like on a whim. That's why I was like, these, the little (laughs) details about this one. I was having Thanksgiving in Nepal. (laughs) All right. Yeah, I was uh, I was in Congo. I, yeah. I was in the Congo. Antarctica for the weekend. You need to come I don't up, know. You need to come up with some No better. biggie. Peterson is not the first suspect to have passed away before FBI could come to any final conclusions. Jeez. Here's another one. All right. Wayne Weber, an insurance salesman. They're often lived dull lives. Yeah. But he was like, 
he did not live the life that his wife thought he did. Oh, so, of course. Dwayne Weber and his wife, Joe, who married in 78, Joe never suspected that her husband had a double life. Double bubble? Double bubble life. <laughs> um, but came to learn that there are many things about his past that he didn't tell her after she began investigating him following his curious deathbed confession in 95. He said, I am Dan Cooper. Oh, god. Which meant nothing to Joe. She had no idea who double bubble Cooper was. <laughs> Joe Weber... Learned that the man she knew as Dwayne Weaver had a lengthy criminal record and had a number of fake identification cards among his personal papers. Ooh. Lived with this man that maybe not, maybe never was Dwayne Weaver. You guys got to look at who you're living yeah. with. Yeah. All right? <laughs> Figure it out. Take a moment right now. Yeah. Think about who you're living Send with. Send your loved one a text. The wallet in his car had a fake Florida driver's license in the name of John Carson Collins. That's a The fake name, name he reportedly used when he served time in prison. Dwayne had also an old knee injury he no. claimed was acquired while jumping out of an airplane. Oh, fudge. And a reoccurring nightmare where Joe said he'd talked in his sleep about leaving his fingerprints behind on the plane. Ooh. So, he he was just getting flashbacks. Yeah. Their whole marriage. The most damning evidence, however, is based around Joe's collection, recollection of a trip they took to Pacific Northwest. Now, this is a good story. Yeah. Dwayne was obviously familiar with the area, taking Joe to several places, including the point near Lake Merwin, which is close to the wooded area Cooper is believed to have landed, which she recalls him identifying as a spot where Cooper walked out of the woods. And she didn't yeah. question Who's that? Cooper? Who Nobody. the hell's Cooper? Joe also recalled a strange incident where Dwayne returned from a walk covered in dirt as if, <laughs> is, as if he'd been digging oh. and later threw a bag full of trash in the river as they visited another <laughs> nature site. <laughs> so why stupid. Freaking, why would you throw a bag what full of trash? What are you tra- doing? <laughs> you idiot. Just put it in the trash can. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> what is that? It's trash. Okay. Just no throw biggie. it in the river from the down. Yeah. It's going to Portland. Um, <clears throat> it is Joe's belief that Dwayne had dug up the money he had buried for safekeeping and that the rotten bills found by the eight-year-old several months later were the trash that Dwayne had thrown away. Wow. So there you go. So this one, I watched a documentary maybe last year. I think on it was Barbara? On- um, I was on, she was, this one was like the, the main focus of this it. This is a good one. Um. I think it was on HBO Max or something. I can't remember, but it's interesting. About Barbara? Uh, yeah. This Did you want to do... No, not Barbara. The one before... Well, Barbara was in it, too. But yeah, this, this was the one before. Name. There's like three of them that were... Yeah. So right, Before we get going, though, I want to tell you about Off the Grid Surplus. Um, Again, they have their denim pants on sale, Cameron. This is an urgent matter that you all need to take advantage of right now. Yeah. Go get some. They're around like 54 bucks, and then you use our code, and you get 15% off of that. Yeah. That is a deal. I guarantee you the gear that you have right now. It's not as good. It's not very good. No. Um, it, you've got to get off the grid stuff. They've got great shirts. I'm wearing a shirt right now. Um, their pants are fantastic. Yeah, wear them all the time. They got women's pants now. We talked about that before. Uh, they're great. Yeah. So you've got to go check them out. Go to offthegridsurplus.com. Get an extra 15% off with anything with our code casual preppers. You've got to go do it. It's time. It now is time. It's the time. Take the time. You're going to die. <laughs> yep. Okay. So these last two are my favorite two suspects. Okay. Can't decide which one I like more. Sure. But let's talk about Barbara. Barb. Mm-hmm. Dayton. Okay. Interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Barbara wasn't always Barb. What? 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 Barbara was Robert Dayton uh, when she was born. So I get it. Now, um, she was the first trans woman to undergo surgery in Washington State. Really? Yeah. The first She's, one. She served in the U.S. Merchant Marine and then the Army during World War II. After discharge, Dayton worked with explosives mm-hmm. in the construction field and aspired to a professional airline career, but could not obtain a commercial pri- uh, pilot's license. wonder why. I don't know. Barb kept her past secret from most of her fellow pilots. She did, however, confide in Ron and Pat Foreman. Mm-hmm. Nice people. They sound great. Who noted that Barb would become defensive of D.B. Cooper whenever he was discussed among the local pilots and anyone dismissed Cooper as a cr- common criminal. Oh. No, you don't know anything about Cooper. He's a saint, an angel. <laughs> He's smart. <laughs> Good looking. Yeah. <laughs> Things came to a head one evening when, as a joke, <laughs> this is so stupid. Ron took a picture of Barb with her hair combed to one side while wearing a pair of sunglasses, leading to an apparent confession that she had been Dan Cooper. As a joke? Yeah. Hey, look, this is going to be funny. Let's figure this hey, out. It won't make you look like you are Dan Cooper. <laughs> wait, so, wait. The resemblance has been noted by Barb Dayton's um, family, her daughter, Rena, as Marina. well as Barb's 
uh, Raina. Raina. As well as Barb's niece and sister-in-law believe Barb was D.B. Cooper. According to the family legend, Barb, I mean, what better way of never being caught? You just change your gender. That's, well, th- these it's easy days, to do nowadays. no biggie. Was also immediately recognized by her brother, Bill Dayton, when he saw the composite photo of D.B. Cooper in the newspaper in the days of the hijacking. Mm. Hey, hell, that's Barb. That sure looks like Barb. <laughs> There is also no doubt in the mind of Barb's friends that she had the daring and knowledge needed to stage a survive and in-flight parachute jump. Wow. So, yeah. Dayton had claimed to have staged the Cooper hijacking dressed as a man. She'd already been changed. Sure. To get back at the airline field in the FAA, whose insurmountable rules and conditions had prevented her from becoming an airline pilot. Sure. They are annoying. Yep. Yeah. Dayton said that the ransom money was hidden in a cistern near Woodburn. Okay. A suburban area south of Portland. I've been there. I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. But eventually recanted the entire story, ostensibly after learning that hijacking charges could still be brought. <laughs> That's fine. Oh, you know what? I, just kidding. I was just joking. It's just, uh, nope. Uh, I, look, I'm a woman. No. DB is a man, so <laughs> yeah. there's no way. So anyway, that's uh, Barb. Wow. Lynn Doyle Cooper. This is the last one. I like this one. Is this, it? Is this not one the has... last one. Is it not? There's one more after this. You got Robert Rackstraw still. Oh, that's right. Because he is probably yeah, one of the biggest suspects, too. So Lynn, mm-hmm. I just like the details. I mean, this pretty much, in, you know, it's been in stone that he is D.B. Cooper. Really? L- listen to this evidence. Okay. In 2011, Marla Cooper went public with her belief that D.B. Cooper was her uncle, Lynn Doyle, L.D. Cooper. Different initials. L.D. Yeah. Marla Cooper, 48, citing memories from when she was eight years old, told ABC News this week, not this week, okay? This was a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. That she recalled her uncle's planning something suspicious just before Thanksgiving of 71 at her grandmother's house in Sisters, Oregon. The two used walkie-talkies and left supposedly to go turkey hunting, she said. On Thanksgiving morning, Lynn Doyle Cooper, known to the family as LD, returned to the home bloody and bruised, claiming he had been involved in a car accident. Wow, turkey hunting? Yeah. Mm. But, actually, yeah. when he arrived, he had blood on his shirt, uh-huh. and he was muttering, and Marla heard him say he had hijacked the plane, and the family's financial problems were solved. Wow. We did it. Our money problems were over. We hijacked the plane. Woo! Happy Thanksgiving. So, yeah, she heard it all. Wow. Marla called that LD disappeared after Christmas 72, and that her father would be vague whenever she asked what happened to him. It was Christmas 95 when Marla's father admitted that LD had been hiding since he hijacked an airplane. Wow. So, yeah. Um, the FBI found Marla Cooper's claims credible, mm-hmm. and she passed a polygraph test regarding her testimony. However, many theorists have pointed out that just because Marla believes her own story doesn't mean it's accurate. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> they also find it had to, um, they also find it had to believe Heart. that. Yeah, I was like, something's yeah. missing there. D.B. Cooper, who was so meticulous in not leaving evidence behind, would use an alias so close to his real name. Yeah, that does seem kind of not like... LD, I'm going to go by D.B. My name's Cody Conrad. How you doing? You know what I mean? Don't ever get me. (laughs) I'm Carl Jardy. (laughs) Jardy. Carl Jardia. (laughs) But yeah, soon after the FBI compared the DNA samples that were given... um, the, of the hijacker and L, from L.D. Cooper's daughter, mm. he had already died. There was no match. The feds dismissed him as a suspect. Mm, interesting. But it was a good story. Yeah, well, he hijacked great. another plane, apparently. Something, yeah. Bloody, killed somebody, too. <laughs> um, Robert W. Rackstraw. That's a great name. Yeah. And Robert this is, Rackstraw. This has probably been one of the stronger suspects. Mm-hmm. Robert was an early suspect in the case due to the series of letters mailed to the FBI shortly after the ah, hijacking. That's Kobe, the letters. Has showed me some of these. You guys can't figure it out, though. No. Nope. One of one of which identified Rackstraw. According to Rolling Stones, Rackstraw was a former Special Forces paratrooper, explosives expert, and pilot with about 22 different aliases. How many aliases do you need? 22. <laughs> At least. He was eliminated as suspect by the FBI in 79. His elimination was controversial amongst the investigating agents, and he remained, for many, the most viable subject uh, suspect in what remains the only unsolved case. Filmmaker and author Thomas Colbert, mm. or Colbert, I don't know, and a team of investi- investigators studied the evidence <laughs> for years and decided Rackstraw was their guy. In 2016, 
Colbert published a book on his theory, The Last Master Outlaw. I'd like to read some I'd of read these. that, yeah. And produced a documentary on Rackstraw called D.B. Cooper, Case Closed for the History Channel. Mm. Rackstraw, who lives in California, was approached by reporters in 17, 2017. He neither confirmed nor denied the information, but told reporters to verify their facts. Wow. And then he died in 2019. Yeah, that that one's interesting. I just don't see like where like where there really is isn't any the, strong evidence other that's than the been letters. Reported, yeah, other than the letters. Yeah, and we don't really need to talk about the letters. Other than there was a bunch of letters that were sent, kind of like taunting, huh? Yeah, they were. Um, they offered tantalizing clues though to the identity of the man behind the alias. Um, there were six letters typed, handwritten, and made using ransom style cutout letters. So like seriously, like oh, the wow. serial killer, like creepy stuff. Um, but there was never anything like they don't know if it was real. It could have just been fake and yeah. Um, anyways. and I know Rackstraw. They had like a guy that was developing a book. <clears throat> yeah, and I guess he was kind of unprofessional about it, mm-hmm. and they were just they dismissed that too because they're like the evidence just doesn't add up. And like one of the letters they said contained like codes, and they had like some former World War Two code oh, breaker. Right. That's right, code breaker like breaking these codes and um anywhere he they figured he was. And yeah, had to have been some type of military yeah. expert. But anyways, that's D.B. Cooper. There's like so many theories. There's so many suspects. Yeah. But it's just a fun one, man. So because... think back. If you remember your mm. uncle yeah. maybe one day saying, mm. hijacked a plane, got some money. It could be him. Yeah. <laughs> or her. I just love that. I've heard him say. <laughs> they hijacked a plane. Money problems are over. Yeah. Yeah, it's a crazy story, man. It is crazy. D.B. Cooper, um, fun stuff. I, I'm going with McCoy, too. That yeah, McCoy's my guy. That one's the best. That, they need to and make a movie. he repeated it. Yeah. And was successful for the most part, yeah. you know. They need I'm to make like, a, a movie on Floyd McCoy. They do. I'll tell you that, because that dude, Richard Floyd McCoy Jr. Man. Whew. Cast a good actor. Yeah. Sounds Probably amazing. Christian Bale, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that'd be I don't good. know. Yeah, I Something like that. Tom Hanks, be too old. <laughs> yeah, he'd be too old. Too old now. Who else could they do? Um, McCoy? Uh, Tom Hardy? I don't know. Tom Hardy would be good. Yeah. Or yeah, what's like the other, the kid who plays Spider-Man? Yeah, what's Tom it? Holland. Holland, yeah, I knew it was a Tom. I couldn't hear that. Yeah, any Toms. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Tom, Tom Cruise. Tom, Tom Hardy. Tom, Tom Holland. <laughs> yeah. Good um, stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, great stuff. Hey, we do have a battle box to look at, which would be cool, cool. to do um, right now. Battlebox mission is it eighty? Is that what mission it is? Yeah, yeah, 80. mission eighty. This is a good one. So, first item in the basic box is the Hero Clip Medium. Supports up to sixty pounds. You want to jump out of an airplane? This would be great to hook on your your duffel bag to yourself, or just hook it to like one of your parachutes. It's called a medium. Hero Clip. Hero Clip. Hero. It's clip a clip. Medium. Yeah. It's gonna, find? Uh, it's gonna capture ghosts and uh, stuff. I know, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, it's a good one. You can't find it apparently. No. Okay, well, it's in there. Yeah. Then you have the human gear stacks, um, those organizers for your pills and whatnot. These are pretty cool. They actually are kind of cool. I like this it. would be good for your bug out bag. Put for, some spices sure. in there, some you know, mm. paper clips. Water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like the water. It's like something just, to sneak into a bunch of water. You're like <laughs> I need some water. Order, order. Then we got the Fire Dragon solid fuel cube blocks. Yeah. Fire Dragon. Fire Dragon. Fire Dragon. Fire Dragon. <laughs> um, then we have the Warpath Call. Blades Kitchy. It's a $50 value. Holy fudge. How do they do it? I don't Kitchy. know. But uh, sweet little knife. This isn't in, in the advanced box. So, it's in the advanced one, huh? Yeah, so if you got the advanced box, need the freaking pro. you are getting a knife. And it's a, a solid fixed blade knife, which is yeah, pretty cool. It is. It is. Cool, got man. good weight behind it. Yeah. Got a little belt clip mm-hmm. and Teflon. Yeah. Then we go to the pro blocks, and we have the <laughs> Kaloa Big Kahuna Compression Sack. $70 value. It's a gigantic sack. You could fit three to four yeah. sleeping bags in it. Get in the sack. Yeah, let's get in the sack, babe. Colors aren't very discreet, but it's no, it, that's okay. It's though. always nice to cinch things down. It is save some space. Then we have the Dead Fish Company Cleaver for the Pro Plus. My gosh, this Look thing that. is gold. It's already ready to gift. Yeah, if you um, don't want it yourself, but you're gonna want it. It you cut stuff with it for sure. Um, Look at that. It's a beast. It's man. like an axe head. Yeah, on a teeny little blade. Yeah, or handle. Oh, don't cut your finger. Well, there goes a finger. Yeah, that thing is gorgeous. It is. It really it's is. Freaking sweet. Yeah. Can't wait to have a party at my house. Be like, Cleaver time. Let me chop that up. Yeah. 
So that is the latest Battle Box. And then we also had a Going Gear EDC Club as well, which is always exciting. They always come up with something interesting in their uh, little packages. Oh, there's a clip. Told you it was there. Told you. I just, I told you about it. I know. All right, Going Gear EDC Club. Um, we got to get this. There you go. There we go. Um, the first item is the Spiderco Bird Metal Lark 2. So this must be like um, a sub-brand of Spyderco. Yeah, that's weird. Because it kind of looks like a Spyderco, but you can tell it's not like yeah, a Spyderco. Yeah, it totally looks like yeah. their style. Yeah, pretty cool. $31 value. Nice. Then we have the Spyderco... <laughs> Did you poke, poke my hand. <laughs> then we have the Spyderco Bug Lapel Pin. You can put it on your tie, on your shirt, EDC bag, whatever. It's Where's a cool little... At? It's in a little package. Oh, there it is. In there. Still in the package. And then we have the... Redeemed Creations Co. Travel Strop. That pin's actually pretty cool. I know. The Travel Strop, which is a nice way to keep your knives. Um, that's a nice strop. Oh, that's a good strop right there. <laughs> that's a fine strop. How do we get out my cleaver? That's not a strop. <laughs> this is a strop. <laughs> um, and then we have the New Myth Toe Hill Lighter. Toe Version Hill? 2. It's Version a lighter? 2. Yeah. What? It's pretty cool. Version one blew too many hands off. Yeah, lit too much up. Look at that. That's cool looking. Yeah, it's a nice little tiny lighter. Doesn't have none of the stuff in it yet, though. So she. You know, so I have. Oh, look at that. <laughs> um, little similar aluminum thing uh -huh. that I put uh, Zippo lighter fluid in. I've mm -hmm. had it for like eight months and it has not like still has evaporated. It's freaking Zippos, man. Zippos are the worst. I hate them for that. Because the, the stuff's gone in like a week. Not even that. Yeah. It's like two days. Yeah, it's It pisses horrible. me off. It does. But anyways, they stay good in these. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Go get your own battle box. Use our code Casual Preppers. Go visit all of our sponsors. Use our code yeah. Casual Preppers. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following us on all the cool places that we are. The TikTok, the Instagram, the Facebook, the YouTube, the Twitter, anywhere. Yeah. Really. Um, we're going to be there. So yeah. go follow us. Uh, thank you so much and stay survived.